All right, so our text for today is going to be Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. things I just want to run by you real quick and that is that 40 days of prayer thing is important okay uh, I have said from the very beginning at New City nothing good happens separate from prayer for us and uh, I, it's one of the cool things that's been happening for us recently is I every day I have an alarm on my phone it goes off at 10.02 every day seven days a week it'll go off during the middle of this sermon today and even as I'm preaching I'll pray Luke 10.2 the harvest is plentiful the workers are you pray the lord of the harvest to send workers and so i pray that every day and i need that reminder i need that reminder to pray you know what's been happening over the last six months is god's been sending workers for the harvest it's just been happening and if you're new today you may be new because god is sending you to be a worker for the harvest at new city church and that may be directly related to the prayer that i've been praying and our staff has been praying and you very may well be the answer to that prayer now here's the deal i know that some of us lack a discipline of prayer and so i I want to encourage you to go on the website, go on the app, and do the text thing so you get the reminder, okay? So you get the reminder to pray, because it might hit you at just the right time. It might come to you at just the right day where you need that prayer and you need that guidance, need that leadership. Uh, now, if you're analog, you, there is printed versions, all right? And so for those analog folks in the room, you can grab one of those printed versions. That'll help you to do that. We've also produced today, so during communion, you can grab one. Uh, they're at the tables, four tables around the room. Uh, these are for everyone. It's a back-to-school blessings kind of prayer guide. And it gives you some prayer uh, ideas for the weekend, for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You can put this on your fridge. You can put this in your class classroom, if you're a teacher, a place for you to just remember, hey, here's some things I can be praying for, and I want you to have that. Now today, we are doing a family Sunday, and I want to answer the question, why a family Sunday? What's going on with that? Well, uh, we really do believe that Jesus, when he said, hey, the, the children really should come to me, <laughs> uh, and when Jesus said, hey, the children should come to me, he was saying, hey, we have something to learn from the kids, and so they're here so we can learn from them. That's why they're here. And so we, we can take a posture of humility in a service like this and learn from the kiddos. Uh, but I also want you to, to recognize that we are a part of a family conversation. Every once in a while we have a family conversation. And, and I want you to think about this. I mean, how many of you, uh, just think about the question before you answer it, but how many of you lacked quality faith conversations that apply to your real life growing up? So how many of you, when, as you've kind of gone into adulthood, have said, you know what I really would have liked when I was a child? It's some really quality faith conversations that made a difference in my everyday life. And so how many of you have had experience where you said, you know what, I really lacked in my childhood a real faith conversation that was impacting my everyday life? Anybody here lack that in their life growing up? Okay, some of us, all right? A lot of us, probably most of us. Now, I want you to do this, all right? A little thought experiment with me. Here's the thought experiment. 
Think about a coach, a teacher, or a youth leader who said something that has stuck with you for good or for ill, like you can remember right now. If I said, hey, what was something a coach, a teacher, a youth leader said to you that went inside of you for good or for ill? If I said, hey, can you think of something? Who here can easily recall something a coach, a teacher, or somebody said to them that just made an impact on them forever? Yep, I mean, that's so many of us. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I was I was pretty I was a pretty vulnerable kid. Um, my wife here's my picture. Of my wife Vanessa and I were high school sweethearts. This is a picture of me in high school, so you can see a photo uh, of what we looked like in high school. Uh, so you know, I've always been this good looking. You know, it's just always been it's always been the case. <laughs> so uh, I can tell you, in high school, it was Su- Susan Weinstock, my high school art teacher. You know, I, was a, I, I just changed schools. I was at a major big high school, and I went to a small country school. Uh, f- and so not ninth grade is this large school. Tenth grade, I was at a smaller country school where everybody had grown up together. And I was one of the only brown kids in an all-white school. I already felt weird. I was adopted. I felt like I didn't sort of fit in, and I was really struggling to fit in. And Susan, in art class, looked at me, and she said, Nate, you're really good at art. Maybe you should do something with this. And it was, it was Susan who got me into art college and got me scholarships to go to art college. If Susan invested in my life, it was unbelievable. The, she, she came to my wedding. <laughs> I mean, this is, this is a woman who became a lifelong friend because she spoke into my life like things that really changed the trajectory. So she, she, she showed me that I was, I was special. I came here Coach Williams. And Coach... Williams was my high school basketball coach. We were, we were every year uh, in the state, uh, you know, running for state championship. We won our district every year, a very, very successful basketball team. But it wasn't because we were, we were the most talented players. It's because Coach Williams worked us harder than any other team. We were going to be the most conditioned team, and we were a fourth-quarter team. And we turned it on the fourth quarter. When the other team was gassed, we had gas in the tank because no one worked harder than us. And I can remember Coach Williams just drilling that into us, like we're going to be a fourth-quarter team. And when everybody else is out of gas, we're going to have gas in the tank because we're going to work hard now. And that, and that, that, that has stuck with me as an adult. When I've, when I've hit those fourth quarter moments as an adult and I'm running out of energy, I, I need that little inner Coach Williams with his eyeballs popping out and yelling, do it faster, do it harder. You know, I need that little you know, Coach Williams in my, in my mind just saying, you can, you can do more than you think you can do. I, I want you to know something. Every teacher at New City Church, is a frontline good news worker. Every teacher at New City Church is a frontline good news worker. You have the ability as a teacher to say something to a child that forever changes them. To open, to open their mind to, to, to the good news of Jesus, to, to feel that, that sort of sense of being loved. Like you have a special gift. And so if you're a teacher today, can we just acknowledge you? If you're a teacher in any context today, can you stand up? Can you stand up in the room? Would you mind doing that? Just stand up real quick. All right? Come on now. All right? Yeah, yeah. Here's the, here's the deal. Uh, if you're a teacher today, we got you a gift. There are gift cards at the welcome desk, and we'd like to honor you and just say thank you to you. And we have magnets, the prayer magnets you can take to your classroom. We are here for you. Mothers, fathers, 
teachers, coaches, all have a unique voice because of the unique position they hold in children's lives. Because coaches, teachers, fathers, mothers, they're doing life alongside. Think about this for a second. There are three kinds of languages in Paul's teaching. We're looking at Ephesians today, and if you want to know where we're going to be, and you've got a Bible app, you can open up Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to look at 1 to 16. It'll be quick uh, today. We're going to look at 1 to 16, and that's where we're going to be. If you've got a Bible Bible, you can open up to Ephesians 4, 1 to 16. I'll have this text on the screen for you too, but love for you to be able to follow along because you see what's going on here. But there are three kinds of languages in Paul's writing. One's kind of a preaching language, kind of charismatic language. Uh, it's, a, it's a language of proclamation. It happens from the stage. It's like, here's the good news. I got a good news story to tell you. Then there's a the kind of teaching language, kind of a didactic language. This is where Paul's going, let me tell you what this good news means, you know, in everyday life. And then there's a discerning language. That's a, that's, that's a paracletic language. It's a it's the kind of language that happens alongside. That's the language of Ephesians 4. Uh, look at what happens here in the text. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge. Now this word urge often is translated beg. He goes, okay, I'm a prisoner right now in my writing of this, but I want you to know as a prisoner, I'm going to urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. Now this word urge is parakaleo. means to call out alongside of. And he goes, hey, I want to call out alongside of you and talk to you about your calling. And so I want to I call out alongside of you and talk to you about your calling, the calling to which you have been called, the calling really that we've been called to together. I want to sit beside you. And so Eugene Peterson says, preaching happens on a platform. Teaching happens in a classroom. But discernment happens with rocking chairs on a porch. And what he's saying here is, I want to come alongside of you in rocking chairs on a porch, and I want to talk to you about our calling. I want to sit side by side and, and have, a, have a conversation with you. This flows out of sort of a, a theme he's been developing in the text. So you see, now to him who is able, this is Ephesians 3.20, just a few verses earlier than Ephesians 4.1. Uh, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. By the way, this prayer guide is trusting that God does prayers that blow our minds. To him be glory in the church church, ecclesia, the called out ones. To him be glory among the community of people who've been called out to the calling. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I therefore, he says in verse 1 now, a prisoner of the Lord, call out alongside of you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. So I'm calling you, those who are called out, as one who is also called out alongside of, sitting in rocking chairs on the porch saying, hey, we have a calling. We have a calling. Not a job, a calling. Not, not a place where we punch the clock, punch in and out, a calling. A, call, a, a trajectory in life that's unwavering, a calling together all of us, and I'm in prison doing the calling, and I'm calling you out in prison doing the calling as one called out alongside of. We're all being called together in this direction with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. 
Eugene Peterson says, what I want to say following Paul is that no matter how brilliantly and forcefully we preach the good news of salvation, the kergma, or, and no matter how, how accurately and thoroughly we teach the truth of the kingdom, the didache, if we don't master the idiom of periclesis, the alongside conversation, the chances of growing to the measure of the full stature of Christ are dim. And say it very simply, if you only come to Sunday mornings and hear teaching from a platform, but you don't go to a community group setting and have conversation and chair side by side, your chances of growing up in the Lord are dim. If you are not practicing Christian community in such a way that where, where people who are sharing in the Holy Spirit are having conversation about the things of God and working salvation into their everyday life, then you're not going to be growing up in the Lord. So we need the responsibility of belonging. And I do mean responsibility. He's saying, I'm called out alongside of you. We are called together in this. We have a responsibility to belong to each other. But look, we're Americans. I'm not dog. I love America. I'm not, I mean, I'm watching the Olympics. By the way, I mean, if anybody here has a, has a future in uh, that synchronized uh, swim dancing, man, I, I'm a fan. I didn't know I was a fan, but I was like, where has that been? I, I didn't even know. How's that Olympic sport even? Uh, now, if you want to do speed walking, I'm sure there's another church in town. All right? I'm just, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. All right? Uh, I, I thought I liked the speed walking. I watched some of the speed walking. I don't get it. All right? But I watched it. A lot, a lot, of, a lot of Enneagram 1s doing speed walking. You just got to get that perfect. I don't know. I would cheat. I would cheat. I, how, how do they monitor the cheating? Does somebody get disqualified? Did they pick up? The, I don't know. Anyway, another story for another time. Uh, I'm not opposed to speed walking. You know, don't write me an email if that's your thing. All right. Uh, we, listen, we, we as Americans have an impulse, and our impulse is to be consumers. And our impulse is to consume Christian goods and services. It, the, what the Scripture calls us to, though, is to deny that impulse. So to merely be a consumer of religious goods and services and to press in to seek belonging in the context of the Christian community. That's, that's what the Bible calls us to. And I, I'm, I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. It's hard. It's hard. Because why? Our, our, well, because we're consumers and we don't have very much time. Because we've valued other things. Because we're consuming. And, and sometimes it's just very, very difficult to carve out time to say, you know what, I'm going to belong to one another so that we can, listen, so we can carry one another's burdens. You know, like, how do you, how, do you even, how do you even live out this bearing with one another in love if you're not ever in a situation where you even know what anybody else is going through? And, and so the, the text is calling us to responsibility of belonging. By the way, religion says this, behave, become, belong. That's every religion you've ever known. Starts with behavior. If you do the right things, then maybe you'll become the right thing. And then if you become the right thing, then you'll belong. That's not Christianity. Christianity is belonging first, becoming second, behaving. At some point, what happens as you belong to Jesus and belong to the people of faith, you begin to become who God intends for you to be in the context of community. And as, as you begin to become, you begin to realize that God empowers you and strengthens you to have the change of life that you're longing for in your life and that's the way it works and and i don't have time to unpack this big theme of the bible but it is truly the theme i'll just ask you one clarifying question if you're a bible student you're going i don't know about this that was peter saved before he belonged to jesus and, and and his friends or after he belonged 
Was Peter, was, was Peter saved before he belonged to Jesus or after he belonged? He, he belonged to Jesus first. He actually denied Jesus when he was going to the cross. His belonging was a, was a part of his becoming. And at New City, man, there's a lot of people who belong here that are in the process of becoming, and not many of us have, have become, you know, uh, you know I, I, I'll back up. <laughs> We're imperfect people. Okay, I was about to say something I might be embarrassed of later. All right. Look, if you belong to God's spiritual family, you should know that we're called to one thing. And so what are you belonging to? You're belonging to people with a singular focus. We're called. This is a calling. It's not a job, a calling. Eager to maintain the unity, he says, in the passage of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your calling. You see a theme here? One, there's one body, one spirit, one hope that all belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father over all, who is <laughs> over all and through all and in all. Like we're called to one thing, and that's Jesus. It's the, it's the Father, it's the Holy Spirit. If we're called to one thing, it's to worship. For Jesus followers, there's, there's no other way. And the, the church in Ephesus was known as the way. That's how they were known in their community, the way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Like, Jesus is the way. And so, yeah, you can belong. You certainly can belong. And what you're going to find when you belong is, is that there are a whole lot of people here who are looking at Jesus, the author of their faith, who the joy set before them endure this, the cross, scorning its shame. Their eyes are fixed on Jesus. Looking to him. He's the way, the truth, the life. I think our, our shared baptism displays our shared adoption into the family of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We were called to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. Behold, I'm with you always, Jesus says, to the end of the age. And I was reminiscing this week of. <laughs> of Linda's baptism and thinking way back to when Linda was baptized. This is a photo of Linda being baptized just so, so long ago when we were still meeting at Bosky School in the very early days of New City. Linda was a civil rights leader. She and her husband, Jose, uh, were commissioned by John F. Kennedy to get out the rights voting ca campaigns and in Texas. Uh, she has started hospitals for the poor. Her, she and her husband commissioned artwork all over the city. And I remember at Linda's baptism, she said, I've been doing all this justice work, and I never knew that I was doing Jesus work. And now I know all this justice work was Jesus work all along. And I remember her, her, her coming up out of the baptism, realizing that she belonged. She belonged. She's part of the family. And that what she realized was that all along the way, and all this justice work she was do doing, God was forming her. He was forming her. And we were formed by God. That's how we were, we're formed by God in community. We're formed by God. God doesn't conform to us. That's not our mission here. Our mission isn't to shape God into our own image. Our, 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 our mission is to say, God, shape us. Conform us. But now, O oh Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hands. Like, form us. Shape us. We're about the one thing. Shape us in that direction. So we share, right, in the responsibility to love one another. We share in it. The responsibility to love one another 
alongside one another. Like we have a responsibility. I'm just I'm trying to, to, to hit this point for you. We have a responsibility to sit in chairs side by side. We, we, we have a responsibility beyond sitting in rows facing a communicator. That's not, that's not where our responsibility ends. Our responsibility is, is sitting in chairs side by side talking about the calling. How is it working for you? And how are you doing? How is the one thing? Is the one thing the one thing for you? Is it in the center for you? Or do you have something else that's in the place of the one thing? And you work that kind of stuff out in community. And every once in a while when you're in community, somebody goes, you know what? I think your one thing's not the one thing. And you've got to be called out on it because you made something else the one thing. And the one thing ought to be Jesus. It ought to be the Spirit. It ought to be the Father. It ought to be the things He's called you to. It ought to be bearing with one another in love. And how do you do that? How do you do bearing with one another in love if you're not doing life alongside. And this plays out not only like in our friendships and our community groups, but in our families. And uh, we're not models of it in our home at all, um, but we, we're trying to do life alongside. And so I thought just for a second, I'd, I'd just do some life alongside with you. And I'm going to invite my daughter Evangeline to come up and help me out. All right. So would you guys welcome Evangeline? Come on up, sweetie. All right. How's it going? Good? Yeah, it's going good. All right. Um, I didn't put the microphone over there so anybody could hear you say that. All right. So this last year has been pretty hard, right? Last school year was pretty hard? Yeah. Yeah. So what was hard about last school year for you? Wearing masks. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of a bummer. Like your brothers are vaccinated and parents are vaccinated. They get to go around without a mask on. And and then, yeah, it's been hard, right? Well, what are you looking forward to at school this year? Like she's looking forward to school. Like is there anything that you're, as you're looking forward to school starting, anything you're looking forward to? Meeting my new teacher. Yeah, your new teacher. What's your new teacher's name? Miss China. Miss China. Is Miss China related to anybody at New City? Miss um, Chantel. Miss Chantel. Yeah, Miss China's Miss Chantel's daughter, right? Evie said the other day, she goes, I'm, I have the best teacher because she learned from the best. Miss Chantel did uh, Confession Assurance today, so if you're wanting to make the connection. That uh, was Micah's teacher. So uh, are you nervous about anything at school? Anything making you nervous? I don't have any friends in my class. Oh, yet. No friends in your class yet, all right? <laughs> all right, so that's, that could make you nervous a little bit, right? Okay, all right. Uh, what are some things that we could pray about together about school this year? Is there anything that's like on top of your mind that we could pray about for school? Um, for all the other kids to have a good school year. That's a good idea. I'm praying for all the other kids to have a good school year. That's good. I like that. What about this? How could you be good news for your teacher and friends at school this year? What do you think? How could you be good news for your teachers and your friends at school this year? Um, be kind. To be kind. There's a, there's a lack of that in the world right now, right? I mean, kindness. I mean, I, I, I could go a long way just being kind, intentionally kind. I like that. I like that. Uh, listen, um, uh, this is a question that's been weighing on my heart, like, really heavily. Uh, who's your favorite parent, uh, me or mom? <laughs> I can't answer that. <laughs> well done. Well done. All right. Just, just curious. All right. So, hey, hey, has God given you any special gifts that you can use to serve other people? Has God given you any special gifts? 
<laughs> while you're laughing. Okay, all right. What special gift has God given you to serve other people? Cartwheels. All right, cartwheels. That is a gift right there. Yes, well done. Maybe, maybe, maybe we do have a, uh, a, a, a an Olympian uh, in the making. All right, coming up here. All right, sweetie. I'd, lo- I'd love for you to be able to to pray with me just a little bit. Okay, for everybody to have a good year, school year for that kind of kindness and all the other stuff because it's been heavy, right? I mean, we've had a heavy year this last year. It's been pretty heavy for a lot of us. And uh, so we could use a little bit of prayer. We could use a little bit of life alongside one another, right? Yeah, so uh, I'll pray for a little bit. And if you want to pray, you're welcome to. If you don't want to, that's fine. All right, and so, all right. So, Father, we, um, we do pray for that school year. We pray for uh, well, kindness in the classroom, that you would help, uh, help the teachers at New City to foster environments of kindness. Uh, we pray for the kids at New City to be kind uh, to, to those, maybe even... Boy, wouldn't it be cool, God, if you gave e- every kid here eyes to see the kids who are left out and they could just be kind to them. Wouldn't it, wouldn't it be cool for, for every kid that's sitting by themselves to have one of the kids from New City just walk up and say, can I sit with you? That would be so cool. So I, I do pray. I pray for that. I pray for kindness. And um, I ask that you would... Um, you you would bless the school year with that with that really high note. Evie, anything you want to pray about? Um, I pray for all of the kids to have a good school year. Sounds good. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you, Evangeline. <laughs> Appreciate you. Cartwheels. I know mine is, but yours may not. Everyone here (laughs) has a gift given from God for the common good and the glory of God. You do. But grace was given to each, he says. To each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. This reminded me of what I've, I've read in 1 Corinthians 12. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. God has gifted you. He, he, he's gifted you for a purpose, though, and I want you to see what the purpose is. Our, our gifts equip the church for the work of ministry and building up the body of Christ. Like Our, our, our gifts are for equipping and building. And this is, this is the responsibility we have to belonging. Okay, listen. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry and build up the body of Christ. So he gave gifts for the purpose of equipping and building. He gave you gifts for the purpose of equipping and building. So he gave apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers and I don't want to get hung up right now on thinking about these, uh, these words as, as offices, but I want to think about them in terms of functions. What is, what is the function of an apostle? What is the function of a prophet? What's the function of an evangelist or a shepherd or a teacher? Well, apostles are the ones who extend the gospel. Uh, they're the entrepreneurs. They're the ones who blaze new territories. Paul goes into Ephesus, but he doesn't stay in Ephesus. He leaves Ephesus. He calls Timothy to go and pastor Ephesus and stay, but he's going to go set up new domains of ministries. Prophets are the ones who question everything. They know God's will. They're going, what about the poor? 
Prophets are going, what about the lost? Prophets are going, I don't know. This feels a little bit more American and not enough Christian. And they're the ones making noise. And people don't like prophets because they make noise. Evangelists are ones who go out and recruit. They're going, have you heard the good news? I need, I need you to hear the good news. Have you heard the good news? And they're always, they're hungry. They want to go out. They want to share the good news. They can't wait to share good news. Shepherds are, are, are the ones who nurture and protect. And they're like, hey, uh, I got to care for the flock. And they care of the shepherd's staff. And they're like, back off. You're, 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 you're a wolf. And they're saying, hey, come together. And I want to protect you. And teachers are going, do you understand? I want, you, I want to help you to understand. I want to go deep with you. And you can think about these in two kind of categories. You can think about the apes, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists as advancement folks. They're like, yes, let's go. Let's do it. Let's reach out. And they're always the ones in the organization, in the church, going, we got to go out. we got to go out. we got to go out. And the shepherds and teachers are like, come on. Come in. Come in. We, we want to care for you. We want to love you. We want to instruct you. And everybody's needed. Everybody's needed. But most churches, listen, most churches are led by shepherds and teachers. Uh, most churches are led by shepherds and teachers because that's what they were taught to do in seminary. They go to seminary, they learn how to teach the Bible. They go to seminary and learn how to do hospital visitations. But very few people in seminary are taught how to start new things and how to advance the gospel or, 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 or are trained, instructed in, in the prophetic calling of calling the church to the work of justice, like, like the Micah 6-8 kind of thing, to walk humbly and to seek justice and all that kind of stuff. Like Those are the things the prophets do in the Bible. They call the, they call the kingdom to repentance. And so prophets are, are kind of like, hey, you guys are making a lot of noise. I don't like you. You make me feel uncomfortable. Most religious nonprofits, however, are led by apostles, prophets, evangelists. That's how who leads those organizations. There are people out there going, you know what we need? We need an expression of faith on the college campus. You know what we need? We need an expression of faith among the homeless. You know what we need? We need an expression of faith for those who are disenfranchised and left out. You know what we need? We need an expression of faith for for the immigrant and the poor. And so they start kind of calling people out. And the prophets show up and they go, it's not okay that the world out there is suffering. It's not okay that the kingdom presence of Jesus isn't being felt in the world. And they're going, we got to do something about it. And they feel it deep down inside. Something ought to be done. And they're calling the church out. And they're the ones right now who are very discontent with Christianity in America. They're like, I don't know. I was talking to a prophet yesterday, you know, somebody with this kind of gifting. Not, think not office, just think gifting. Think, think function here. So I'm going to somebody who has this prophetic sort of functionality in their soul, and they're like, I don't know if I have a place in church anymore. Because they're looking at the world. They're going, the world needs us, and all we're doing is fighting and bickering. And he's like, what do we do? And then the evangelists are like, what about the lost? What about the lost? You don't know Jesus. Like, what about the lost? Listen, the church needs apes, but continually, in American history at least, we've, we've kind of said, apes, you belong out there doing nonprofit stuff, not in here doing church stuff. You make us feel uncomfortable. <laughs> All this calling to advancement, that apostolic gifting of entrepreneurial gifting, that prophetic gifting, questioning things, that evangel evangelistic gifting of, of, of going out and reaching. Because when you start reaching lost people, messy people show up. And there are a lot of churches that don't like messy people. We love messy people here. But there are a lot of churches that don't like messy people. And when messy people start showing up, they go, I don't want that messy, people around, that messy person around my kids. That's what they say. I was a youth pastor for a long time. I know that's what they say. I don't like messy people around my kids. 
But the evangelists are like, more messy people. More. More. We need more. Because the messy people need Jesus. And the prophets are going, it's not okay just to keep doing the same thing. We keep doing the same thing. We keep getting the same result. And the prophets are going, we've got to do something different. The apostles are like, let's go. <laughs> Look, I'll start it. Where, where we go? Let's, let's start the new domain. See, apes advance the church, raise the questions about justice and mission, reach out to those who are far from Jesus. Look, apes are disruptors. They disrupt the status quo while shepherds and teachers seek safety as they care for and raise up the people in the church. And what I'm trying to say is not that apes are better, but we need everybody. We need, we need people to advance and we need people to develop. We need We need everybody. And the reason I bring it up this way is because there's some of us who have felt like this sort of gifting inside of us, that we just feel like we've got to call everything into question, or we felt this gifting inside of us to go start new things, or we felt this gifting inside of us to reach lost people who are far from God. And sometimes churches can make you feel uncomfortable. That's just all I'm trying to say. We need, we need everybody. We need shepherds to go, okay, come on, I'll care for you. You're messy, but I love you, and I'll care for you. We need shepherds to go, your, your life is a little bit out of sorts, but here's what the scripture says. Now we can get your life back in track. And, and we need everybody. We need everybody. See, the church needs everybody's gift to fulfill their calling. Everybody. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we attain the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood and to the measure of, of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We need everybody if we're going to grow up and be mature. We need everybody. And so here, here's what I'm trying to tell you. Is that... And, oh boy. Okay, I'm going to say it. I know it's family church. I'm supposed to go small. Short today. All right. I don't, know, I don't know how honest to be with you, so I'm just going to be myself, and if I overstep, then you can, just, you, know, you can just forgive me later, okay? I, in my soul, deep down, when we started New City Church, I, I, really, I really, 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 really wanted to create a place where people belong who wouldn't belong otherwise, but they belong and they considered one another brothers and sisters in one big messy family. I just wanted it so bad. And the thing that hurts me most as a pastor is to find out that when I think of us this way, that deep down inside, people who are attending New City sometimes feel like this is a place of religious goods and services, and when I stop liking your product, I'll go find another one someplace else. Now, just being vulnerable for a second. Um, if that kind of attitude prevails, then the church doesn't develop. And, and we end up with a whole lot of people who just think the same, and that's not good. It's not good for the church. We need, we need apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. We need everybody together, working together for the common good. Like, we need everyone engaged in community as brothers and sisters loving one another so that we can attain maturity. Too many churches operate like spiritual orphanages with one or two spiritual parents trying to care for all the kids. 
And you got one or two voices speaking into the entire audience. And that's all they get is 30 minutes of speaking every week. One or two parents speaking to all the spiritual kids. And you just can't do spiritual development that way. You can't do maturity that way. You can't do the paracletic kind of conversation that way. It has to happen side by side. And Paul's objective here in talking this way is he says, I don't want you to be children any longer. So you may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And the reason why people right now are being carried away by all kinds of deceitful schemes and, and all kinds of crazy conspiracy theories is because they're not in community. And they're not testing their ideas out in Christian community and hearing one another speak to one another and process one another. And sometimes when they do speak, they get judgment in their Christian communities. And they're not getting conversation and real side-by-side conversation. Rather, speak the truth in love, he says. Why love? Because just speaking the truth isn't enough. You've got to speak the truth in love. You go, I don't want to understand you. You need to understand me. Let's just go to the truth together. We may not always agree, but that's okay. We're going to be in formation together as we grow up in every way into him who has had the head to Christ. And at the end of the day, we go, okay, how is that helping you to get after the one thing? We may not agree, but how is it helping you to get after the one thing? Because the one thing is the one thing. And you got something else in that one thing position. you got to get that out of the way because it's the one thing. That's what we're about, the one thing. So you need to be in community with Jesus' followers who know God's word and have a history of walking in step with the Spirit of God. Don't, don't just keep taking advice from Joe Sixpack of the office. Like, I'm serious. Like, somebody who has walked with Jesus for some time, has a history of making wise decisions, who is filled with the Holy Spirit, and you see them and you go, hey, I need to bounce some things off of you. You'll know who they are because they're always humble. They don't always have the answers. All right, I'm going to air some grievances. I, I don't know, is it, is it the festival yet? I don't know when is Festivus. I don't know when it happens. But if it's today, I'm going to air a grievance. Right? A 30-minute sermon cannot compete with 30 hours of your favorite news source. Just can't. The average, the average news consumer right now is consuming 23 hours of news a week. And you can't come to church and expect I'm going to be spiritually formed here. And, and if you're just attending as an audience member and you're not in the context of community working it out. Here's some phrases that we say at our house and maybe they're helpful for you. All right, these are my, com- my most common phrases in my home. YouTube does not have your best interests at heart. Right? I say that to my children all the time. They do not have your best interest at heart. You are not the customer. You are the product. I say that all the time. You think you're the customer of YouTube, but you're not, you see. Your eyeballs and your tendencies are being sold to the highest bidder. Like, you are not the customer, you're the product. They don't have your best interests at heart. And what you're receiving through algorithms on your computer, the news source algorithms, the YouTube videos, those are not seeking your best interests. They're not helping you to get up to the one thing. That's not their objective. It's to get your tendencies so they can get you on more and sell more stuff to you you are not the customer you're the product and every once in a while we just have to remember like hey sometimes i'm like getting stuff from places and i just need to go back to the word of god and get something for the source look we need every believer to use their gifts and to speak the truth in love so that we can grow up together to look more and more like jesus that's what we need 
Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part, when each part, when each part, when everybody's involved, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. All right. I'm going, to aim at, I'm going to aim at some hearts. If I step on your toes, I've missed, okay? It's easier to be enraged with the church than it is to be engaged in the church. I'm just going to tell you that way. And there are a lot of people who have been out, you know, been you know, watching the world go, and they go, I'm just so angry, and I'm just so enraged, and Christian people, rah, rah, rah. Being enraged with the church may provide some catharsis, but it will never create change. And if you're enraged, it's probably because you're a prophet. And there's room for you here. And if you want to create change, then get engaged. If you want to create change, be a part of it. It's easy to say, I'm going to be enraged. I'm going to be enraged from over here. And I'm going to throw stones. And I'm going to throw stones that, that's something I'm not even participating in. That's easy to do. Again, from Eugene Peterson, so the church is not ideal. It's not, nor was it ever intended to be, a gathering of the nicer people in town. Come on. God is not fastidious in the company he keeps. There are sinners aplenty, hypocrites in droves, the ill-mannered and unwashed. We will be mightily disappointed if we look around expecting to meet men and women who measure up to the full stature of Christ. These are men and women who are on the way to growing up in the stature of Christ. Not many of them are there yet. So I just want to ask you just alongside, as one alongside of you, uh, some clarifying questions that you can take for the road today. Are you growing? Are you growing to the full you know, are you growing into Christ? Are you looking more and more like Jesus? Are you growing into the head as the body? Are you growing together? Here's some diagnostic questions for are you growing? Are you more humble, gentle, patient, and loving than you were last year? So just do some self-evaluation. This year, right now, to this point last year, has this last year been spiritually formative for me? <laughs> it's okay to say, no, I'm not. I'm more anxious. I'm more aggravated. I'm angry all the time. That's okay. Because you need to get into a growing environment. Are, are you using your gifts for the common good? And maybe that's a way for you just to begin to sort of say, okay, I, God has gifted me for the common good. Am I using my gifts? Right, I'm going to ask you a couple more clarifying qu questions. Sorry. I, is the world out there troubling you? All right, well then, here's some clarifying things to do. I'm what I'm trying to do with these clarifying questions to get you to move from just being an enraged individual to being a Jesus follower. So who are you praying for? I'm so angry. Are you praying for them? I'm so enraged. Are you praying about it? How often? With what intensity? Who are you eating with? If your table doesn't look like the table of Jesus, you're probably doing ministry wrong. Who are you eating with? Tash clutchers and sinners, gluttons and drunkards, that's who sits at the table of Jesus. Who are you serving with your church community? 
Uh, Let me just be a prophet for a second. I tend to be an apostle prophet. It's one thing to gripe about our city. Come on, okay, all right. There, There are a lot of people who are able to gripe about Albuquerque. I don't want to share this with arrogance in my heart, so I'm just going to say it this way. I was talking to a friend recently, and his, he was robbed again for the fourth time. He said, I'm out of here. I'm done. And I said, the fact that you were robbed four times is why I'm here. That's why I'm here. That's why God called me here. To grow a church and to grow churches and to bring the kingdom reality of Jesus here. And if everybody who is enraged of the world just jumped and bounced, and you know what I'm saying? And I'm trying to make you feel guilty if you leave. I'm not trying to say that. I'm not trying to make my calling your calling. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just trying to say it's my calling. It's my calling. Where are you serving? Okay? I mean, don't take that the wrong way. That's not me pressuring or browbeating anybody. But just really feel that. Why church? Well, I think our city needs a church to be the church. That's why. Um, the, the church, the, the city of Albuquerque doesn't need more church attendance. The city of Albuquerque needs more people willing to be the church every day. Every day. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you for the time together today. Boy, I felt like I got a little angry there at the end. So, uh, <laughs> Lord Jesus, <laughs> bring, bring your peace and your joy in your life. Uh, I am so grateful for hearing the kids today just, just confessing you're faithful all the time. I needed that. Boy, I needed their voice. I needed, I needed to hear them say it because I, I need to believe it. I need to believe it with that childlike faith that you are faithful all the time, faithful all the time. Lord Jesus, uh, I trust you, and I don't. I don't trust you a lot of times, and so I just, say that I just ask you to meet my unbelief with belief. Give me the faith I need to trust you all the time. It is in your name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. Amen.